Just Life, a programme from Radio Maria England. On today's programme, we have Brendan Metcalf, CEO of Friends of the Holy Land. Friends of the Holy Land is an organisation, a charity that helps give hope to vulnerable Christians in the Holy Land. Brendan is has been on the program before and has a delight. So I'm very pleased that he's joining us again today. Hello, Brendan. Hello, Helen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Listeners, you will have an opportunity to call in. Perhaps you've volunteered for the Friends of the Holy Land. Perhaps you've taken a pilgrimage through one of their pilgrimages. We'll have the lines open for the studio at 10.30. So join us then to share your stories or ask your questions on Radio Maria. The number is 01-223-375-564. But Brendan, let's get back to you and sharing what is the good work that you and your team do. Okay, thank you. Uh, I mean, basically, Friends of the Holy Land, we're about... uh, 12 years old now as a charity and uh, very much formed from pilgrims who had been to the Holy Land and were looking at a way that they could help and help directly with our Christian brothers and sisters in the communities there. Now, um, I think we talked last time about the, the, the major challenge facing uh, these Christians. I mean, the communities uh, which are the founding communities of our faith, the places that where the apostles built the first churches in the Holy Land, and we're talking there obviously about the West Bank, Gaza, Israel and Jordan. Now these places have declined in terms of their Christian population remarkably over the last century. I mean, about 100 years ago in this area, 30% of the population were Christians. And today uh, it's less than, well, in the West Bank, uh, um, it's less than 1%. In Israel, it's around 2%. So there's been a remarkable rapid decline in the number of Christians. Now, um, therefore, our mission, our overriding mission is to support those Christian communities and to secure a resilient and enduring Christian community in the Holy Land. I mean, it would be terrible if, you know, in about uh, maybe in another generation, there were no longer any active Christian congregations in these uh, historic sites. I mean, in the places where Jesus walked, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, in the Church of the Nativity, uh, and in the Church of the Annunciation. So, I mean, it's very, very important that we maintain these vulnerable and fragile communities. So that's our overall mission. And I guess what makes us different from many other organizations who work in the area uh, is that we have that sole focus. We're very focused on the geography and we're very focused on the communities. And uh, we've taken a step to register with the Palestinian Authority uh, as a charity. So that allows us to not only operate an office ourselves with our own staff in Bethlehem, 
but we all operate our own bank accounts there. So, you know, people who are supporting our work through the UK, the money in my head goes directly from Christian communities here through us directly to people we know need the, need the help on the ground in the Holy Land. You know, we have uh, two social workers in Bethlehem. They get people visiting the office every day. They uh, go out and they look at different projects that we want to get involved with, or we or I visit and, and, and visit those partners. And we know exactly where the money that we receive from our uh, most generous donors goes. You know, every, I, I have it down to the name and, and affected with the address of every beneficiary. We know them. We know what's happening. We know the impact we're making. We know the needs that they have, and we can see the improvement in their lives. So that's 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 basically our philosophy. Um, so as I said, it's about retaining uh, uh, that a resilient and enduring Christian community. And and people say, well, you know, you're only focusing on Christians. I mean, there's many other people in need, and I understand that completely. But because they're such a small percentage, like like many minorities, the, if you like, government-to-government funds that go into these areas for the major projects sort of pass them by, you know, because the focus goes into let's help the majority of situations so, you know, we're very much, as I said, focused on fostering and continuing those, well, ancient communities founded by the apostles when they first went out and, you know, spread the good news. So in terms of our challenge, I guess our challenge is always a mixture of how do we deal with emergency cases and how do we deal with cases which, or, or projects which we hope will continue that uh, resilience and presence of the Christian community? So there's always a balance in what we're trying to achieve. There's many cases of people who are in a very vulnerable situation and need our help urgently. Um, and there's always, you know, how do we help uh, stop this emigration stop this feeling of um helplessness amongst the the up-and-coming generations of christians i mean during the last two years i've heard of about 600 families from um the west bank emigrate leave permanently and when i say leave permanently due to the political situation in that part of the world if you leave yes you can leave but it's very difficult to come back and to put that into context if we're talking about say the bethlehem area 600 families out of a population of about 22,000 is quite a high number yeah and those are people that won't be coming back so on the one hand we ha we we try and help people in the most vulnerable situation uh people who a lot of whom have been affected by immigration because they'll be the older generation who are no longer in contact with their children who will have emigrated and I, and I don't know if you've been in that situation yourself but people who emigrate are trying to set up a new life for themselves in a new part of the world find it very difficult to continue to support their parents back home. Uh, 
So uh, a, a lot of what we do is with elderly and vulnerable Christians who have no other means of support. And then obviously there's how can we help these younger people through other uh, education, through uh, helping them mentor into business, through helping them get jobs, so that they feel that they have a future and they will stay. So that's an ongoing balance that we have. Um, and over the last two, year, two years, the focus has sort of swung quite heavily in, into the emergency support, if you like, area because there's been so much unemployment the uh the major cities uh such as bethlehem such as jerusalem such as nazareth uh in particular um are heavily dependent on tourism i mean in bethlehem it was calculated that 80 percent of the people living in the bethlehem area were directly or indirectly dependent on tourism, which means they either were working in hotels or restaurants or taxi drivers or bus drivers, or they were in industries that were supporting that. You know, they're olive wood carvers for the food souvenir shops, or they were people who supported the hotels with uh, supplies, with you know, with with food, with uh, other other uh, supplies for their needs. So. For the last two years, most of those people have been out of, out of a job. Now, they have survived, in some cases very difficult, difficult with great difficulty, but that has meant that you know there's more pressure uh, on them to think of the future for them and their family. And you know we've had a lot of people coming to our doors, not so much for food food stuffs because you know food has been very general generously shared amongst the different agencies local agencies already in the country but particularly for medications you know people with long-term medical conditions people who need uh, diabetes treatment people who need uh, who have uh, health uh, heart issues and then on top of that people who needed small operations you know people that needed something that was particularly urgent so we've had a lot of people that we have supported over the last two years with those sort of emergency situations and we hope now as you know the um as the pandemic eases now it's not completely gone away as we know but travel hopefully will begin to come back as the holy land is now open for visitors we hope over the year ahead we can bring the balance back a bit so that we can help people back on their feet back into jobs back into small businesses and back into uh, uh, education so that um you know they can see a future and they will stay rather than seek to leave the holy land thank you for uh, that brendan thank you uh would you like to continue or would you like me to take a music break oh why not let's take a music break why not <laughs> All right, I've got a lovely, I've discovered this group called the Jerusalem Youth Chorus and they bring people from both sides of the West Bank together to sing and find harmonies together. So let's have a listen. Listeners, uh, we will be able to call in shortly uh, around 10.30. Uh, but for now, this is the Jerusalem Youth Choir's Home. El 
This is Just Life on Radio Maria. We are live today, Tuesday, and I have got with us CEO Brendan Metcalf of the Friends of the Holy Land. He's been sharing with us about how their group funds a mixture of sustainable and immediate relief work in the Holy Land, which includes the West Bank, Gaza, Israel, and Jordan. He's been sharing about supporting the Christian populations of those areas and how they've been working alongside groups, clerical and lay professionals, all rooted within the Christian community in the Holy Land. How he personally goes and uh, checks out the projects and beneficiaries and how pilgrimages help uh, can meet some of these beneficiaries and really get to know the Christians that are still living in the Holy Land today. Brendan's come back from over there just recently, haven't you? Yes, I was there the beginning of March for four days. Oh. Had a pretty hectic time. Uh, and it was the first year, first time, sorry, I've been back in two years because of the pandemic. So a lot of things to see, a lot of people to see. Um, and it's, and it's you know, obviously gave me an update on the work we already do and gave me some ideas for more work we could do in the future. Oh, let's so, hear about that, Brendan. Let's go. Okay. So basically, I mean, obviously, everything that I'm talking about, you'll see more information on our website, which is you know, friendsoftheholyland.org.uk. But our work, I guess we would divide up into sort of five main areas, and then we have two significant individual projects. So the five areas that we, we work in are uh, family support, health, education, employment, and housing improvement projects. Um, and and, I, and if I can go into a little bit more detail, so, you know, in, in terms of family support, we directly help uh, 100 families, primarily in the Bethlehem area, but we also have uh, four uh, families in Gaza that we help this way, which are, you know, vulnerable uh, and, and living below the poverty line. Now, we give them a grant every three months, uh, and we review this on an annual basis to see their, their, their needs and that they haven't changed. And that grant is, is very small in, in our terms, but it's enough for them to get by with the basics. Um, so we give them a grant of 500 shekels, which is about 120 pounds a month, and we, as I said, we pay that every three months, every quarter. And with that, they're able to survive. They're able to put food on the table, perhaps buy some gas for heating and, and cooking and keep make sure they're on top of their other bills. So that's a specific program. We'd love to do more. At the moment, we've capped that at 100 families. When it comes to um, health, you have to understand that in that part of the world, there's no social care provision in the West Bank and Gaza and Jordan. Uh, there is to some extent in Israel, but in, in the, the majority of our work in health, we, we, we put forward in the West Bank. And every month um, we give our social work team a budget of £6,000 uh, to help people with immediate needs and the 90% of those needs are medical uh, 
and they range from ongoing needs for medication for chronic conditions through simple operations or the need for a new set of glasses or the need for a hearing aid or the need for that sort of provision. Uh, we get, a, as, I, as I, I mentioned earlier, we know exactly who we're dealing with. So these people are visited by our uh, social work team and we have a report on everybody and we get a, a, a detailed uh, report once a month for all the people we've helped in this way. Um, in addition to that provision, we also have two uh, more established uh, medical facility provisions. So in the Ramallah area, we help a, um, a clinic which deals with diabetes and heart disease. Um, and that clinic has a fund from us, which they uh, assess uh, patients for and discount their treatment so that they can be uh, uh, helped with their condition. And then in a similar way, we support a hospital in Nablus called St. Luke's Hospital. Now, that's one of the oldest hospitals up in the northern part of the West Bank, which is operated by the Anglican Diocese of Jerusalem and um, is run by you know, on Christian lines by, as, as I said, on the Christian organization. Now, the great benefit of helping that hospital is not only are we helping the local Christian community with its treatment, but we're in, you know, we're helping to employ, you know, most, you know, many of their employees are Christians. So if you like, the money's having a double effect. It's helping keeping the hospital going with employing Christians in a very difficult uh, area and that it's providing health care to people in need. So that's how we help generally with health care. Um, with education, we help uh, families keeping to keep their children at Christian schools. And what does that mean? Well, you know, the Christian schools are private schools. They charge a fee, unlike the public school, which are run by the, you know, the Palestinian Authority, which uh, are run on a Muslim ethos. The, the, it's a very important to, when you're in a, a such a small community to maintain your culture. It's very important to send your children to a Christian school for for the the fact that you know you want to maintain and continue your children's Christian upbringing. Um, but also, uh, these Christian schools are so popular and so effective, and usually, uh, on average do a much better in terms of results than the public schools, which have various challenges, that the majority of the students at the Christian schools are, in fact, in fact, Muslim. Now, the fees at these schools, again, are not high. We're talking somewhere around uh, between three and 5,000 shekels, so between 700 and about 1,200 pounds a year, okay, for a child to attend these schools. Uh, however, many uh, families find this difficult. Um, and what we do is we contribute towards the fee. We don't pay the complete fee. We, you know, we help the family um, place their children in the school, but we also you know, ask them to contribute as well. And uh, in the last year, we helped 270 children 
attend Christian schools around the West Bank. And when I say Christian schools, you know, you have to understand that this is not just one denomination. We help children attend Christian schools of all denominations, whether that's Greek Orthodox, whether that's Catholic, whether that's Anglican, whether that's uh, Lutheran. Uh, and I was even, in my recent visit, uh, at a small school which is Assyrian Orthodox. Now, this is the only Assyrian Orthodox school that exists in the world. And we help them uh, through helping families pay for their children to attend that school. The other area that I mentioned where we help, uh, and I, again, education I would put on that sustainable help, helping children build towards a future. Now, we do also have a limited university fee uh, um, grant program, but we're currently revising that because in the light of the pandemic, what we see is a desperate need to get people into new jobs, jobs perhaps outside the tourism sector so that they can be more resilient for the future. So we plan to help children uh, who are of sort of school leaver age go into uh, further education, whether that's university courses, you know, there's a desperate shortage of nurses in the area. So we have a particular focus on helping people get into nursing, but also other vocational courses, you know, how to be a plumber, how to be an electrician, how to be working in IT, how to work in hospitality. These are all areas of vocational studies that we'll be looking to do expanded grants or scholarships for. Uh, adding to that, once you are perhaps at the time when you're leaving university or leaving college or leaving school, it's how do you find a job? So we do support some internships. We do help uh, youngsters begin to gain work experience. And we also help them look at uh, how to set up a business. Now, that might be specifically aimed at uh, younger adults who perhaps have been out there, who've, who've entered into the workplace, have a little bit of experience, but are now looking to move into something else where they see they can get a better livelihood for their family. So we've done a little bit of um, mentoring into new business and in terms of entrepreneurship. That has primarily at the moment been done in Gaza, and the main reason for that is Gaza is such a difficult working environment. Uh, to paint a picture of Gaza, roughly 50% of the population of Gaza are under 25, so there's a major youth uh, population. And again, unemployment in Gaza is running in excess of 50%. So you've got a lot of young people who are struggling to find a way to get into work and uh, people generally who are struggling to find a way to get into work. So the idea of helping small businesses, we're talking, you know, hairdressers, uh, uh, we helped a washing machine and, and home appliance repair shop. We helped somebody set up a small cafeteria, those sort of things where they can, um, particularly help earn a living for the family 
and you know we're looking at small family businesses another area where we've done that has been specifically in jordan with the refugees and we do a lot of work with iraqi refugees in particular in jordan because they're the ones who do not get work permits so we have a particular parish in Amman who are working with uh, refugees and have built several entrepreneurial projects that we have helped to seed fund. I mean, they range from uh, a clothes workshop for women. We've also opened a cheese manufacturing uh, facility, which may seem strange, but they had uh, an economic advantage in producing cheese. From that, we, we went into... Uh, a pizzeria and we've currently funded a pasta making facility excuse me i had a dry throat there oh bless you so that's all working well and giving these people employment and the final area where we help is to improve housing can i give you a little break uh brendan to, to have some to have a drink or something and what i'd like to do if that's okay with you is you just finished a water project um, right. So let me play the video, the audio of the World Water Day project that they did. So uh, in the West Bank, water is turned on and off unpredictably. So many people have no running water for weeks at a time. And the Friends of the Holy Land worked with another charity called Pro Terra Sancta to install water tanks for Christian families in the Bethlehem area so they can store the water they need. So let's have a listen to this project. Water scarcity is one of the greatest challenges for the Palestinian population in general and the governorate of Bethlehem in particular during the summer. The association Pro Terra Sancta started to support the poorest families by repairing and replacing local water supply networks installing solar panels and water tanks in collaboration with the Friends of the Holy Land Foundation. We have many projects, especially with the association Pro Terra Sancta. This collaboration has not only developed in the project related to water distribution, but we have also renovated some houses together. We hope that this collaboration will continue. Now we are on the roof of the house of one of the people who received the water project a special project which provides water thanks to several families. We are suffering greatly from the continuous interruption of the water supply in this area. We get water here every 20 or 25 days. This project will help us to get more water and meet the needs of our homes. The country urgently needs projects like this one. Thank you for thinking about us and thank you for what you do through this project. Amazing. And the thing is, listeners, you can't see it, but if you want, you can go watch the video at friendsoftheholyland.org.uk. But the thing is, the, the two the folks that were talking look just as like folks that you would see here in England. It's not they're not in the desert with with the wind blowing and it's orange and you're like, oh, and then they're wearing just sheep's clothing. And so no, these are just regular people that are having these struggles in nowadays uh, West Bank. So the, it's amazing the good work that Friends of the Holy Land are doing today. Brendan, are you back with me? I am, yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, right. um, no, I mean, what, that. Uh, when I say housing improvement, water tanks provision and installation of solar panels is primarily what we do. 
the other, the other things we may do, uh, some of the houses there are very old. I mean, we're talking hundreds of years old. So we may have to repaint them. We may fit, the, if there's an old lady in a house, we might put in some uh, grab handles and things to make it friendly for her to be able to walk around the place. But water's a major problem. I mean, people don't perhaps appreciate it, but uh, all of the water... Uh, in the West Bank, and there's three major aquifers in the West Bank, is pumped by the Israeli Water Company and is distributed by them. And there's a, uh, and this is, you can go online and, and, and find out more about this, but there's a, shall we say, there's a preference or a uh, bias towards providing water into Israel and to providing water into the settlements. So the, the upshot is that the water delivered to Palestinian homes is about five, a fifth of the water that gets used and delivered into Israel and the settlements. Mm-hmm. And so, and as the lady says, it can be many days without water. Now, when you don't have a water tank, the problem is your only other option is to get water from a tanker, a bowser that goes around the streets, Um now, the water in there is not particularly sanitary. You know, you don't know how rusty the tank is. You don't know what may have jumped in and died. <laughs> so, you know, it's not a wonderful uh, alternative. So just by simply putting tanks on their roofs, we help people store the water. By putting up solar panels, we give them some energy to heat the water and to pump it around the house. A simple solution which makes a major, major difference in their lives. And at the moment, you mentioned we're working with ProTerrasancta on this program. The other great benefit of this program is, you know, ProTerrasancta is a division of the Custos. So all of the contractors used through uh, this project are Christian contractors. And most of the supplies are bought through Christian wholesalers so effectively the same money that we're using to change the lives of individuals in in christian families in their homes is also creating employment is also uh helping those businesses survive so it's it's getting having double the effect and when i visited and met with uh, our partner pro terrasenka i went around a few of the houses that were on the if you like the list to be done and that list at the moment is about 70. We have about 70 homes still to do, and we're working slowly through that list. I think at the moment we have five in process. Oh, well done, well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brendan, is there any other... Let's take a, a music break now. The well, let... just quickly before oh, we do that, yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. about School of Joy, which oh, is yes, a please, yes, please. School of Joy and St. Martha's House. Or maybe we could do that after the music break. Yeah, let's do that, let's do that. Oh, because (laughs) I've got loads of questions, especially because um, I have a special place in my heart for day centers for adults. So I'm very looking forward to learning more about Martha's House. But listeners, you can call in as well. That number is 01223. 
375564. Perhaps you'd like to encourage your fellow listeners to take a trip to the Holy Land. Perhaps you have volunteered or have helped raise money for Friends of the Holy Land. Give us a call. Say hello to Brendan. The number is 01223375564. on Radio Maria. Today we have Friends of the Holy Land CEO uh, Brendan Metcalf joining us today. He's been sharing with us the projects that Friends of the Holy Land have been working on 
in different areas of the West Bank, Gaza, Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem. And we, like, uh, we've gotten a message from one of our listeners, Brendan John from Japan, that is really connecting to those Christians in the Holy Land because like them in Japan, there's a, a persecution uh, in Japan for Christians, especially newcomers with visas issues. And I, I don't know if there can be friends of, of Christians in, in Japan, but I think he's definitely applauding all your good work that you and your team do uh, for the Christians over in the Holy Land. Oh, Brendan. Uh- Let's continue, though. Let's let's talk about because I'm really excited about hearing the, the other two. Pro, the two you've shared how you've shared with medical, uh, water, housing, <laughs> uh, but how there's two big projects that you guys definitely help with, and that's School of Joy and Saint Martha's House. Could you share a little bit about that? Certainly, uh, School of Joy is for children with special needs. Now, that's a wide range of special needs, both mental and physical. Um, when I was there a couple of days ago, um, you know, there's about three children there who've been diagnosed as autistic. Now, the problem is with no provision for public health, um, the, the life for these children is very difficult. They're disruptive in a normal school, so the public schools won't accept them. And the families really don't know have the have the resources because they're poor families of how to, to deal with these children. School of Joy is a place where these children go. They get some therapy, they get education, and they get a meal because they're coming from a, a poor family. And there's seventy children at this school, which is run on Christian on a Christian ethos. But again, the majority of the children will be Muslim, um, and. Uh, we are the, the sole funder for School of Joy. <coughs> we um, didn't start that way. Over the years, other charities have fallen away, particularly with the pandemic. And now we, we are the ones who account for all of the funds that help this project survive. And you can visit that project when you go on your trip to the Holy Land. It's in Batesahore, which is the shepherd's field, so right where the, the shepherds were visited by the angels, uh, just outside of Bethlehem is where School of Joy, Father Abu Sada and his team who, who run School of Joy will be very happy to welcome you. The children love to see visitors and you can visit and see the work, the great work that they do. Um, uh, this is obviously not an easy mission, the children come from as far away as Hebron, which is uh, about an hour and a half, actually, because there really isn't much other provision in the area for children with these special needs. And again, through the pandemic, obviously, it's been more difficult to operate because you're working with children with special needs, but you're also working in the in the constrictions of the, uh, what's the word, the cleaning and other uh, sanitary um, mandates. education to run such a school so it's a fantastic place it's a place which gives everybody who visits you know a warm feeling to see these children in education being cared for being helped to to uh, learn to the best of their abilities and and even the as the older children uh, come towards 
the end of their education being helped into learning simple crafts, which hopefully will help, help them earn a livelihood when they're too old to be at the school. So that, that is School of Joy. And again, if you look at our website, uh, friendsofhoyland.org.uk, you will see uh, a lot of information about School of Joy. And if you follow us on social media, we try to post information, updates about what's happening at School of Joy on a regular basis. To us, our budget for this year to support School of Joy is around £90,000. So that's how much it costs for us to support these 70 children at this facility. Now, the other facility we maintain is St. Martha's House. And St. Martha's House is a daycare centre for elderly women, most of whom are widows who live alone and they don't have anybody else to care for them. Many of the families have emigrated, uh, and uh, you know these these ladies have you know again they're vulnerable, living alone, uh, and uh, St Martha's House is a place they can go to, not only just for social interaction, but to make sure they get a good meal every day, and also for visiting healthcare people to come and see that they're okay. <coughs> this means they get you know people checking their health they also get a lady who comes and does their hair and they just generally get to spend quality time together through their, their later years to, sh to make sure that they can enjoy life we also look after some of these people through our family support program so the ones that we see are, you know in particularly vulnerable conditions we help in that way um, Again, when you visit, you must, you know, please let us know that you're going and we can arrange for you to visit St. Martha's House. They're always most welcoming. I was there on my visit. I had lunch with the ladies and they're also always keen to see new people. We have around 30 ladies who at attend St. Martha's House uh, between two or four days a week. You know, not everybody goes the whole time that the, the, the facility is open. And again, you know, we're the only people supporting the school, uh, St. Martha's House, uh, and supporting this mission, which makes sure that, you know, these ladies are comfortable, uh, that they're in good health, that they are, are, have a good state of mind and they get a good meal at least once a day. Uh, and the cost to us to, to support St. Martha's House is about £60,000 a year. So that gives you an idea of, of uh, the budget just for those two major projects, both of which, um, when people we know people are visiting on pilgrimage, we can help set up short visits, a couple of hours, go and see the people, go and see the work we're doing, go and hear their stories, particularly the old ladies at St. Martha's House who will tell you about their life stories, and, and basically, you know, and get, enjoy good fellowship with these communities. Um, 
touching on people who visit, you know, we always like to know when people are going on pilgrimage. We don't particularly get involved in the business of organizing a pilgrimage, but we help advise you on your itinerary. We help advise you, uh, you know, because, you know, uh, pilgrimage operators, you know, they're a commercial business, and, and sometimes they may not have the same, uh, shall we say, uh, sensitivities and needs that you may have. We always try and make sure, for example, that you insist on a Christian guide to take you around on your pilgrimage. Uh, you know, you won't be getting the Christian experience. You may surprise you, but Christian guides are in a minority. Most of the guides that take people around are Israeli guides. The other thing that we try and insist on or guide is for people to stay in a hotel in Bethlehem during their visit. And many people stay in Jerusalem and just pop to Bethlehem for half a day to see the church in the nativity. Stay in Bethlehem, experience the, 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 the communities of Bethlehem, walk around Manger Square, have more time there, eat in a restaurant there. This is, you know, the largest center of Christian population in the West Bank. And by visiting and staying and spending time in Bethlehem, you're actively helping the small local Christian businesses. There's very few of those in Jerusalem. And we would try and encourage people to do the same when they go north. You know, it's fine to spend a few days at Lake, Lake Tiberius relaxing, but you know, most people will only spend half a day going from there to Nazareth. Why do that? There's so much to see in Nazareth. I mean, the Basilica of the Annunciation is beautiful, but, you know, just about two minutes walk away up the street, there's the Anglican Church with Father Nile, who I know very well, who rarely gets visitors. Uh, just around the corner, there's the church that is built on top of the synagogue where Jesus first preached, which, again, rarely gets visitors. You know, if you stay in Nazareth for at least one night, you get more time to visit these, the many sites around Nazareth and meet the people, get to hear their stories, get to understand their daily challenges and build fellowship with them. Now, these, these are the sort of things which I think are an important part of your pilgrimage, you know, because you know, these are communities that are vulnerable and, you know, because of the situation in that part of the world, often feel they're forgotten about. You know, there's other, shall we say, news, uh, mostly about conflict, which takes over. There's other issues about the politics, which takes over. Very little is heard about the day-to-day -day life of our Christian brothers and sisters. And, you know, I feel if we go, if we meet what we call the living stones, these communities, and find out more about what their life is like, we help encourage them as much as learn from them because they realize that they're not forgotten. Now, you know, I was there, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the beginning of March for four days. Now, as I hadn't been for two years, I had a pretty hectic time. I had 34 meetings in four days, so very oh hectic Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I met with... You know, I met obviously with the heads of the church leaders that we work with to get an update on, on what had happened in their communities over the last two years. I met with the 
some of the other organizations we partner with because we try and spread the load and share the load where we can. So we, we work with, I mentioned the diocese, the Anglican Diocese of Jerusalem. We also work with the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, which is the Catholic uh, Church. We, I met with the Lutheran uh, uh, bishop and his some of his pastors because we we're increasingly doing work with the Lutheran uh, community in uh, the Holy Land. I met with the Pontifical Mission, who we've partnered with, uh, particularly in work in Gaza, uh, which is around creating uh, new businesses and internships for the youth. Uh, I met with the people from YMCA, uh, who have helped, we've helped work with again, with primarily uh, youth-focused uh, projects. So, and, and what was coming back to me from all of these people is, yes, the pandemic is uh, easing. Yes, you know, uh, uh, the, the, there's no longer any restrictions. People can visit, you know, it's open for tourism. But because of the international, uh, shall we say, caution around travel, and particularly, I think, because, you know, the people who visit on pilgrimage are mostly at the sort of 60-plus age category, if I can put it gently, um, the tourism has not yet returned. I mean, I walked around Jerusalem and saw very few international tourists. I visited the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which, you know, on, a, on an average day, you could probably wait about 30 minutes to an hour to get inside, and I walked straight in. And I had the church more or less to myself and about 20 other people, which is incredible. I mean, it's an incredible experience for me, but a sad experience because, you know, there was no one really there to, 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 to see this you know, fundamental uh, and beautiful church, but also to be there uh, building back this tourism. Back in 2019, before the pandemic, uh, was a record year for tourism into the Holy Land. Four and a half million people landed at Tel Aviv Airport. I mean, there's nowhere near those numbers at the moment. And, and the challenge is that you know, from everybody I speak to, it seems it could be three or four years before we get anywhere near those numbers again. Now, I mean, my, my key message, you know, go to our website, friendsoftheholyland.org.uk, see what we do, but also go and visit yourself. You know, there's nothing like a visit to the Holy Land to help you engage more, I believe, with your faith. Go and, you know, go to the land where Jesus walked. Go and see the places where he conducted his ministry. Go and see the founding communities where the apostles first established our church. You know, it's it's a very, uh, for me, every time I go, I, I come back with something new which I take to my heart in terms of you know, my own engagement and, and development of my faith. And I strongly believe that for younger people, particularly people who are, you know, at that point of defining and, and growing and engaging with their faith, a visit to the Holy Land uh, could have a great impact. You know, you, you, you can 
you can walk on the beach of uh, Lake Galilee, a Sea of Galilee, the place where you may be uh, walking in the shoes of Jesus. You can see the sights, and it brings to life everything you read about in your Bible. You know, how far is it? What is the walk like from Jerusalem up uh, to the Mount of Olives? You can go to the Garden of Gethsemane and see trees which are you know, more than 2,000 years old, trees that witnessed the, uh, the, the sufferings of Christ. So, I mean, it's an amazing experience. And as you do that visit, get in touch with us beforehand and we'll help you engage and meet the communities. You know, not just School of Joy, not just St. Martha's House. You know, we work with... I believe 14 schools around the West Bank, all of whom welcome visitors. We'll be happy for you to visit some of the other people we work with. We know families who'd be happy to welcome you into their home for dinner, get to eat a traditional meal, get to hear about their lives, get to see the way that they live. And oh. these are things which I think would add to anybody's visit. You've got me sold on dinner. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to try McLuber, which is, a you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the ladies of St. Martha's House, we have a video of them preparing because it's a traditional Palestinian dish. <laughs> oh, I should try. They've got the recipe on the website as well. I should try That's... that out. Try that out. <laughs> oh, Brendan, it's been such a joy to have you on and hear about all the great Oh, the great activities that are happening. I think what I mean, I know a lot of it is needing support uh, and the, the good work. But it's also amazing to remember that where Jesus walked, where he carried that cross, especially as we're going into Good Friday and, and as we're in Lent. It's amazing to remember, oh, there's people there now. They are, they have these problems now, but they're also celebrating and, and working together uh it, now and go meet them and i i love it i it brings it it brings it home it brings it it brings the holy land to life instead of it being this bigger than life place it brings it more home oh thank you brendan so much thank you and again i mean we we have on our website a whole section dedicated to prayer and as we come towards holy week and as we're here in lent we are adding to those resources so that you can read reflections and see prayers from you know, many of our uh, church leaders so that you can uh, better understand and comprehend uh, the, the, the events of Holy Week and how they fit in with the modern day Holy Land. I mean, it, it, if you sign up on the prayer page, we have something called the prayer bank. Nothing to do with fundraising, but purely so that we can send to you the new reflections and new prayers as we receive them. When I was on my visit, every one of the church leaders I met with promised me contributions and we have more to come. So please, you know, register on the prayer bank and, you know, have a, have a engage with prayer because obviously prayer is important without no i think prayer underpins everything we do amen uh, oh, oh very good thank <laughs> you and then brendan you're coming back i believe on radio maria on april 20th to talk about the pentecost challenge don't tell us about it now <laughs> no. 
But we'll look forward to having you back to hear about, ooh, I love a good challenge, and Bethlehem to Nazareth. We'll hear more. So listeners, do, uh, if you need to contact Friends of the Holy Land, their website is www.friendsoftheholyland.org.uk. They've got a Facebook page, a Twitter account, an Instagram the smiles and the eye. I, I love looking at the eyes and the pictures on the website and it's beautiful. And uh, Brendan, thank you. And thank you for doing such hard work and such good work for our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. Thank you very much, Elena. God thank bless. You. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye.